What's up, everybody? I'm Micah Canale, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm joined today by my wonderful husband and co-host Josiah Canale. Josiah, thank you for some spending some time with me and us in the studio today. Yeah, Micah, it's awesome to be here and excited to be downtown Minneapolis and recording live. Recording live is right. So Josiah, would you take the honor and privilege of introducing our wonderful guest on the show today? Yeah, we are joined here by a friend of ours, Pastor Nick Brandt. Nick was born in Texas to the son of two Austin natives, and he grew up moving across the country every two or three years as an Air Force brat before his family finally settled in San Antonio in 1998. Nick graduated from the UT University of Texas at Austin and has previously worked for a leadership development and organizational management consulting firm before following a call to full-time vocational ministry. He served on staff at Young Life, Passion Conferences, and most recently at Passion City Church in Atlanta leading and developing a college ministry. He attended Dallas Theological Seminary for a master's in Christian leadership and is highly passionate about discipleship and scripture. On an off day, you might find him outdoors somewhere with his black lab retriever Brooks on a lake playing basketball, watching Texas Longhorn sports or the San Antonio Spurs. Um, he might just be enjoying food or music in his favorite city of Austin, Texas. And most importantly, Nick Brandt is a friend of ours. We actually re reached into the, the archives for some some research about a fun fact about Nick, and he was actually an actor in the TV series Friday Night Lights. He now serves as an executive <laughs> pastor at the Well Church in Austin and founded a ministry for college students called The Gathering ATX. Wow, Whoa. what an introduction, my goodness. Uh, how are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Thank you so much for joining us, Nick. We're excited. I'm excited too. I look. I don't know if I can live up to that that whole like uh, spiel you just gave right there. That was that was that made me feel way way more important or something than I really am. Well, that's your story. <laughs> so that that we're just telling your story today. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's a it's a privilege to be with you too. I'm excited to be able to talk with you both, and um, excited for what you guys are doing. That's awesome. Well, I know Josiah read a lot about you, but we also want to hear from you today and talking about young adults. So Nick, would you be willing to share your story of how you began following Jesus Christ and how did you find yourself in young adult ministry? Wow. Um, well, it's a long story, but um, I guess the best way to start it is often um, I, I didn't really grow up in the church. And so I am somebody who really is the product of a lot of other people pouring their lives into me. And I, I grew up, I actually grew up in the Catholic church of all things, but really more so just from a traditionalistic standpoint, you know, we would, we would show up every single Christmas Eve and Easter and um, grew up uh, kind of going to the normal sort of rhythms that you go in, but never understood anything about grace, anything about Jesus. And uh, it wasn't until high school that a friend of mine invited me to a Christian sports camp. They told me, uh, that they had wakeboarding and paintball. And uh, that was enough for me that and I think they said that there were cute girls there. And so I think honestly, they Praise said that God. was enough for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. It was enough to get me in the car. And uh, we showed up and little did I know that Jesus was going to ambush me uh, that summer. And so my, my eyes were really opened, I think, to the cross and, and just to uh, the story of grace that comes from Christ. And uh, and all of a sudden, waterworks came out of my eyes one night and uh, and really had no idea what was going on. And uh, I think that was sort of the, the catalyst for me. It was just this awakening moment to there's something bigger than myself and um, continued kind of living my own life and running my own way until I got to college. I had a really rough freshman year of college. I don't know if anybody can relate to that out there, but I uh, ended up at University of Texas at Austin uh, and uh, ended up uh, there after my freshman year. I was at a, a University of North Carolina my first year and uh, transferred it back home to Texas and I uh, got involved and in, uh, long story short, met a guy who was a director of Young Life and uh, that in combination with a church I was going to uh, that got invited to uh, where actually uh, Chris Tomlin was leading worship there at the time. Uh, then he introduced us to passion conferences and those kind of those three things sort of became 
the catalyst that took took over uh, my life and kind of took me from this this awakening moment into following Jesus. It was a local church and being discipled through a parachurch ministry and then my eyes being just just blown up to the reality that there was a, a bigger church and, and and really there were college students through through passion following following Jesus Christ. It's amazing and I referenced it, but you've been on TV and in some movies and that's part of your journey too. So what is that like for just normal <laughs> citizens like us? What's it like being in Hollywood? Normal, get out of here, normal citizens. No, I, I'm actually surprised and kind of shocked that you pulled that one out. I wasn't expecting that. So um, yeah, I, I've been involved. Uh, it's a, a little bit of a it's, a, it's a little different and interesting than maybe most pastors you've probably met, but I've been involved in the entertainment, in entertainment business um, since I was five years old. So my parents, uh, I grew up a uh, son of an Air Force pilot, and so we grew up moving around everywhere, but I'm a fifth generation Texan, and I'm really proud of it. And so in Texas, it's it is sports. It's all about sports, right? Except my family and my mama, particularly, she wanted me to be involved in other things besides sports. And so I kind of got introduced at a very young age into singing and to acting and, and acting really stuck, uh, the, 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 the world of acting. And so began training at a young age, just began working with different folks and it led into getting involved in commercials and led into getting involved into eventually television. And, uh, I've done all sorts of random things, but, um, it's a it's a fun world and uh it was a really eye-opening world and uh, a deep love for for that world i think there's a lot of misunderstanding sometimes even when the entertainment world uh, but it's something that i really enjoy specifically the craft of it all and and somehow somehow i still get a chance to to get involved here and there when things come up that's awesome well we know that god has obviously given us all different talents abilities um a voice and to be a mouthpiece first and foremost for his kingdom but also to those darker places, whether that's entertainment, whether that's Hollywood. I mean, we all have a specific calling, so it's amazing that you can be a light in all the dark places and just really allow God to do awesome things in and through you, Nick. And um, so we we are we are huge fans of Louis Giglio. And could you tell us about your time serving under one of our heroes? Obviously, that's Louis Giglio on the Passion Conference side of things, as well as the Passion City Church. Team. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Louis is a, is a legend and uh, he is a hero. And, you know, I, I always tell people when they ask me this question and they ask what it was like working for him and with him and with uh, really, I should say, and I know Louis would say this with his team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he is uh, very much a team uh, mentality guy and, and has taught a lot of us, including myself, a lot about, uh, man, there might be one face out front, but this yeah. is uh, we used to say the church, churches are church, and I know he would say the same for passion conferences, is, is not built on the talents of a few, but of the sacrifices of many. And uh, it really was an honor uh, to get to spend time and, and three, four years working with that team there and with him and, uh, and really getting to be around some of the earliest days of Passion City, um, just the surreal experience of, you know, I, I attended Passion Conferences for the first time as a college student in 2007. And I remember my eyes just being blown up to 20,000 plus students in an arena and going, this isn't real. Like no, nobody talks about this. I, I didn't think this many college students love <laughs> Jesus, much less, you know, being in the middle of it all. Uh, and just being overwhelmed by the Spirit of God and watching, you know, following along the journey until I eventually met him through some consulting work that I did and worked with a firm before I got into vocational ministry. Uh, and and Louie was, this is kind of, we'll tell you a little bit about the person he is. He's very perceptive to the Spirit. And um, and just, uh, I, was, I was a young guy working for a consulting firm and I got invited into a meeting that he was in and I, uh, I wrote him a note secretly. I asked my boss if it was okay if I give him the note when the meeting was over and uh, handed him the note and just told him that I was wrestling in my life with, you know, I had done Young Life for so long and fell in love with, with students and fell in love with uh, a younger generation and seeing what it, you know, what was missing and the gaps there. And I said, man, I'm wrestling with this call. I wrote this out and my, 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 my letter to him. And I, I don't know, should I stay in the corporate world? Should I get out? And, uh, and he was so kind. He, he wrote back um, several, several pages uh, to me 
And I will never forget um, in the letter that he wrote to me, he said, you know, Nick, I, it's really easy to complicate something like this, but let me just uncomplicate it for you. <laughs> I don't think he said uncomplicated. He said, let me simplify it for you. <laughs> he said, uh, that's my text enemy, by the way, coming out. I hear my George Bush. Let, let me uncomplicate it for you. <laughs> uh, I love it. He, he, he said, let me simplify this for you. He said, you know, man, if you just seek the Lord, he's like, the, the scripture says, seek God with everything you have. And everything else will be added unto you. Seek the kingdom of God. And and he said, turn to him, hand it over to him. And he said, uh, seek him and he'll make your path straight. And uh, it's so simple. And I think that's even hard for me to say sometimes I'm a practical guy. And, and maybe the practical thing there that for me was, man, don't stop chasing Jesus. You can't mm-hmm. go wrong. He's not going to let you be. I think we all sit in this whole, what is the will of God all the time? The will of God is to follow the Lord right? and to love him, enjoy him, yeah. and follow people along the way. And when you do, uh, God's going to make your path straight. That's Proverbs, right? That's Proverbs uh, 3, right? It's it, trust in the Lord with all your heart and he'll make your path straight. And so Louis was just reiterating that. He said, you know, man, stay in touch and, and, and whatnot. And I did. And, um, you know, a year later, I, I ended up leaving my job and, and uh, getting into some ministry on campus at SMU, uh, Southern Methodist University, uh, working in Young Life. And I stayed in touch with them still. And the, the passion crew would come through Dallas often. And uh, eventually, another year later, they asked me if I would move out to Atlanta. And uh, I have, uh, I would say, I say this to people all the time, there's, there's few people I've learned more about a big picture of God than from Louis. And uh, really, really grateful for my time there. Everything that I learned from him and Shelly and the team and Brad Jones. And, um, and just thankful for what their ministry is to this world. Amen. Yeah, I, I have had similar experiences being in an arena at Passion Nick, and just seeing the greatness of God mm-hmm. and something about, there's something about worshiping with thousands of young people wholeheartedly mm-hmm. that's unmatched. It's just indescribable <laughs> and our God is really great. And let me ask you more specifically, what are uh, maybe a couple more key takeaways from your time at Passion? Yeah, I, you know, just to stick with Louie, I'll share a little more, but nobody has helped me see a bigger picture of God uh, than Louis Giglio. Um, really grateful for that. I think anybody that's been around him or even attended conference uh, knows and understands that that Louis mm-hmm. sees way outside the box. Uh, and I, I mean this with no offense to uh, the, the beautiful church here in America, but sometimes we can put God inside of a box. Mm-hmm. Um, we can we can put parameters around him. And I think Louis has. Uh, had the art and the gift, I should say the gift of opening the eyes and, and simplifying often complex things. Uh, I, I don't think there's, there's very few communicators like him that can, that can simplify a complex issue, like the glory of God that can be very confusing mm-hmm. and frustrating to understand as a young person uh, and, and simplify it in a way that we understand and walk away, not just understanding, but remembering. And I will tell you, I mean, my mind was blown by the picture of God uh, when I started to follow his teachings. But then when, when, he, when you begin to work with him and really just seeing us challenging the norms and pushing mm-hmm. outside the box of what church looks like and, and not playing, uh, at least this is my takeaway, not playing by the rules, if you will. Um, that for me, um, what I mean by that is like, not, just not, not saying we did it this way. We have to do it this way again. Right. Uh, but really doing things that, uh, outside the box, out, out of the norms. Other things, you know, I mean, I, I said it earlier, just team uh, mentality, working together. Uh, we, we use the word and the idea of working with excellence. I think that, that word has become a buzzword. What does it mean to work with excellence? But mm-hmm. really just massive attention to detail uh, and seen theologically mm-hmm. that God is in the details. Uh, and I think from that, you see something too. You, I, I would say the last thing I learned is that, you know, maybe the secular way of saying this is Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, you, you didn't build passion conferences in one day or two days or three. Uh, passion conferences and, and the result of the movement, which is Passion City Church and the publishing uh, group that they have now, Passion Publishing and Six Steps Records. And, uh, you know, there's some passion trips that occur now. And uh, there's Passion Camp for high schoolers. And you see that and you begin to understand that this is a lifetime of people mm-hmm. who have devoted to the mission and have persevered in a way that when Paul says, don't stop running the race. Right. Like finish it well. 
these are people who are uh, have, have for so long um, given their lives over to something, and, and God has honored that, and I believe, in a, in, a, in a grand way. Nick, that's amazing to recognize that, you know, team is important. We are greater when we go together, so de- developing a team in that process, to understand that Rome wasn't built overnight, and to remember that as we are building God's kingdom, not our own, that is always a significant thing. Um, but also swimming against sometimes the norms and recognizing that we need to push outside this box that we've created um, to put God in or that we've, you know, done whatever in that process. So, um, Nick, what is a dream or something that's been kind of stirring in your heart for young adult leaders that you'd be willing to share? Wow, that is a a big question. Um, You know, I'm I'm pained in a lot of ways uh, for for young people right now and, and, and young leaders even in the sense that, but I'm so optimistic too. I don't, uh, it's a real tension uh, to be honest. It's like some days I see, and I, you, you know, I hear the, the, the headlines, in the news, and I, I don't, I don't really buy into them that, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's hard to go to something like passion conferences and see, um, you know, like when they fill, you know, they're, they're aiming even this year to fill the, the Mercedes uh, Dome there in Atlanta, Georgia, and hopefully gather students from across the globe and, and every state here in the country and to see 85,000 students or 80,000 students worshiping God and go, man, I'm not sure I believe when when, when someone says the church is dead. Um, and so there's, there's that part of me, there's that tension where I'm like, I see actively every day students that are so hungry. And if I was to speak to young leaders, I would, I would, I want to tell them, you know, it's, it really is true. And the Lord says that the laborers are few and the harvest is plentiful. You know, we, we, I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but in this generation, there is a hunger for spirituality that has never been seen before. And, and I think people go, well, it doesn't look the traditional way of we're sitting in a church pew on a Sunday or a small group or, but there's a hunger and there's questions and there's wondering about the grander, bigger things in life. And there are greater philosophical questions that are being asked by younger generations. And there's greater access to information than ever before. And I would tell young leaders, man, give yourself away to this, give yourself away to what God is doing. And Mm -hmm. And challenge yourself. Be a voracious learner of where you're at. Don't, you know, don't settle for the way things were done in the past. I think that's part of it. The other part of it too for me is, is, um, you know, I think about First Peter five. It says, um, "Be faithful to shepherd the flock that's among you." Right. Mm-hmm. I think so many of us uh, can fall into the trap, and, and myself included at times. Uh, has fallen into the trap of looking at the world around me and all the other leaders around me and thinking, "Why am I not that person?" Why do I not have that right now? I wish I had that over there. Or maybe if I do this or this or kind of maneuver these things here, then I can have a bigger flock. Mm-hmm. And I just see in scripture over and over, you can't manipulate God. <laughs> you can't twist <laughs> the spirit. Like you have to trust what God has put in front of you. And and man, if the Lord, I, I remember Ben Stewart, who's now the, now uh, he was the former director of Breakaway Ministries at Texas A&M University. Um, he is now a pastor at Passion City, D.C. I remember him writing an article, I think it's on desiringgod.org, uh, John Piper's site. And, and what he talks about on that article is um, he talks about how he was so frustrated with uh, one student who would show up to a small group back in the day when he was a youth pastor. And he got so convicted by God from that, 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 that the Lord had actually given him one soul. And he thought, man, wow, God entrusted a soul to my shepherding. Right. I, like, do you know me? Do you know who I am? Like Lord behind closed doors and my thoughts and my mentality. Like we got to get real here, people. Like the God of the universe has put people in front of us to shepherd and if he gives us one or he gives us five or he gives us 500 or 500,000, we have to be faithful to what's in front of us. And uh, a microphone isn't what you need to lead. What you need is a heart for his people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need a heart for Jesus and, uh, and be perseverant in that. And so I think, you know, I could go on about that, but, but be, be faithful where you are. Be faithful to what God's given you. It doesn't mean you don't desire and and seek to grow what you're doing. I don't think that's what we're saying here. I think it's be faithful where you're at, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, don't be antagonistic towards those feelings uh, of 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 where you are right now. Good. 
Like we share a, a faith with you in an almighty God. We share an optimism about what God's doing currently in our world. And then we share this pain about a generation and we share those things that you just talked about and articulated. And we believe that God's given you tremendous insight as a leader to this demographic of college students and young adults. And I would just ask you, what is or what are some of the primary issues that you see teens and 20-somethings are dealing with in our world? Wow. Well, Josiah, I know, I know you know this. Um, first of all, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how much of an expert I am on this or, or whatnot. I think, just to be honest with you, I think you know this, that things rapidly are changing. And they're rapidly evolving and you can read one thing, one place and one thing, another place. And so I think, you know, just to our point a few minutes ago, you got to be careful about um, people who, you know, I just read, you know, even in, in thinking about today, I was reading some articles that were recently posted. And there was a Washington Post article about how the young church is dying. And I'm like, no, I got to be careful of what I read. And so like, I can't fully believe one thing or the other. But I think what you're seeing and some of the that's correlating and some of the research and some of the things that, you know, insights even, I think, more experientially in, in, in my life and walking with a group of young folks and, uh, right now is um, there is a, a world where uh, I, I think Christians have forgotten what it's like to not be Christian. Hmm. I think sometimes we can get so involved in what we're doing uh, that we're in a world right now where this generation, uh, which, by the way, is quickly becoming the largest generation in our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, te- you know, these these teenagers, late teens, early 20s, uh, here we are. These are the folks who uh, Dr. James Emery White wrote a phenomenal book called Meet Generation Z. Uh, he talks about how by 2020, this group of people will be the largest uh, will be a third of the of the country's population and wow. the largest in purchasing power. They'll make up over 50% of the purchasing power. Now, if you don't know what that means, that means they will be part of the main focus for every political group, entertainment group, marketing group, because they make up the money. Mm-hmm. They have the decisions where they can swipe on their phone, scan with their phone right. in the moment and buy when they want. I tell you that to tell you that it's important to know how they think and why they think the way they do. And so when I look at this, you see, um, one, some of the carryover from millennial generation. Uh, you see a strong desire to make a difference, uh, but they're actually more equipped now to do that quicker than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can make what they want to make when they want to make it. They can, you, they, can make, they can monetize, make money off of YouTube videos. Uh, you see morality is uh, the traditional morality is tricky because, you know, there's, there are generations that say, why don't you just act this way, behave this way? Uh, but they're questioning things like, um, you know, why, like how, they're looking at their parents, for example, and, I, and, and they're saying, well, how did that work out for them when the divorce rate is higher than 50% in the country? And so they go, they're questioning morality and moral relativism is, is, is higher than ever before. We all know these things. This is nothing that's a shock to anybody. Um, and then you see things like tech. You see things like um, technology being a part of their life. And, and, and I think the things that I struggle with the most personally, maybe when I talk about my experiences, is I see oftentimes a group of people who are very alone, who are hired depressed or at least labeled that you know depression and anxiety maybe more rapidly than we've seen in the past and and maybe arguably have language for that and that's rightfully so now that they're anxious worlds that they live in and so you have a height a rise of use of digital uh, technology and also a rise of depression we see those things are correlated in anxiety and then just not knowing what to do about it not knowing where to go and who to talk to what a ripe place for the church to step into what a right place to be a learner and, and to and to step in and to try things and not be scared of failure. Um, and, and, and so, you know, I think uh, they've never not lived with their smartphones and they've never not lived with the Internet. And so they're in a very heightened, um, volatile time in our country uh, politically. Identity is a question. Mm-hmm. You know, studies are showing over 70 percent of, of Gen Z believe that gender is just how you feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's 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 really in some ways alarming. It brings up questions. Uh, diversity. This is the most multi-ethnic group ever, ever in our country, and that is a beautiful thing. 
but it brings challenges. It brings colliding cultures. It brings racial hostility in our country. It brings conversations about, about having how to address race and the need to address race. So when I see it, I see, um, it, maybe if I boiled it down for one thing, uh, Micah and Josiah, uh, what I feel spiritually about it is sometimes I feel like uh, the scriptural passage about a sheep without a shepherd sometimes. I think there's a huge harvest, a huge openness to spirituality, and uh, I often wonder about who, who's guiding them, who, who's their shepherd, who's leading them uh, to, to begin to even question and wonder. And, and really, their generation wants to question and wants to feel freedom uh, to wonder. And I think that we should often make that make our places in the church or in our parachurches a safe place to do that. Absolutely. Nick, I think you're dead on just recognizing that we are seeing a generation without shepherds. We're seeing sheep you know, be misled or believing things that they shouldn't be believing or participating or experiencing loneliness and depression and anxiety. Um, But we also believe that and are recognized, if you're a listener, recognizing and realizing that we as leaders need to be in tune with what God's saying. We need to be in tune with the word of God, the will of God, um, in our prayer life, in the prayer closet, just really seeking his counsel because our words carry weight. Just as much as the world's words carry weight, our words as leaders are significant to the one, that one that God may bring forth. And if God can trust us with a little, he can trust us with a lot. And Josiah and I are kind of in this theme of life where in Isaiah where it's God is doing a new thing. Do you not know it? Can you not perceive it? I'm bringing water to this wasteland. So we know and believe that God is going to and wants to do a new thing. It's whether or not we are going to dive on in. And we've been watching most recently from a distance, um, just watching and following you and the gathering ATX. Um, So could you just tell us about what is God doing in and through that gathering space for you? Yeah. Wow. Um, I, so even just to go back, what you just said a second ago, Micah, the one thing that just hit me really hard when you said that is, is, is I think we need as leaders to realize, uh, God is not off his throne today. Absolutely. Like, like the Lord's not worried about what's (laughs) happening right now in our country. He's not freaking out today. God does not get anxious. And so the Lord is working in and through that. And so I think oftentimes we look at the negative side rather than thinking, what is, what is the Lord doing? Right. How should we as leaders, rather than push it off and ignore and not be aware or attentive to what's happening, um, how do we actually um, jump into that and maybe react to that or be proactive in that? Uh, and so the gathering is, is part of that. Um, we, um, I think one of the things you'll, 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 one of the things I believe is that um, this generation is uh, loves events. I think events are great things, uh, but really, I think we're we're learning to combine an event with an event and a process. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know if that's new language even for you, but for me, um, I love the gathering. I think this this idea of the gathering comes from the gathering of the community of saints. Yeah. It comes from this idea that. Um, there's something powerful. Like we said, Mike, you said earlier, like you sit into passion, the arena, and you see the gathering of the saints of God and mm-hmm. coming together and something special happens. I mean, scripture says something happens when we corporately gather. And so I don't think forsaking the gathering is something we want to do. Not, not, not speaking ecclesiologically, not speaking about the church per se, but, but even outside of that, we wanted to create a space um, on the campus at UT Austin. There's 55,000 students, undergrad and graduate on the campus of wow. UT Austin. Um, it's one of the largest largest um, universities in the in the nation mm-hmm. and uh, it is a very very diverse uh, ground and um, what I, I had been part of, you know, my faith uh, arose and the Lord brought me to faith when I was at UT Austin as a, as a Longhorn. Uh, but there were there were days there where I just was so grateful to see what God was doing among ministries there. Um, and I had felt for so long that uh, seeing over the last 10 years uh, that, that ministries maybe were maybe isolating even more and more and more over the years. And they were beginning to kind of do their own thing, not talk too much to each other. And so this, this idea of the gathering was birthed about six or seven years ago. 
and just talking about um, what would it look like to create a space on campus mm-hmm. uh, at Texas for students to come together, no matter what their denomination was, no matter what a ministry they were involved in or what they affiliated with the most, and just lift up the name of Jesus Christ, yeah, that's good. that we would pray together, that we would uh, glorify God, exalt Jesus together. And from that, man, we, we're kind of just praying to see how could we, as the gathering, become something on campus uh, to push and lift up these other ministries, to blow some wind in the sails of these other ministries. So does that look like creating the table for, for leaders to come together and have conversations? Does that look like praying together for them or blessing or caring for leaders as they, you know, if you've ever been on campus before, you know how lonely it is. So we've been talking about what does it look like um, just to, what if we took our resource and not want anything in return and just pour into these leaders, give them time away to rest, give them opportunities to be poured into, uh, and then bring them to the table to see each other, to know each other. One of my favorite moments, and I, I don't want to talk too long right here on this question, but one of my favorite moments was last semester when uh, one of the leaders of Young Life was up on stage. She had been on campus for seven years, and I brought a few, of, we, had, we had brought a few of the leaders um, from ministries on stage to ask them to pray over the students that were there and pray over the campus. And one of the crew leaders stood up on stage with a young life leader, with an athletes and action leader, and they all prayed together. And when we got off the stage, um, the crew leader turned over to the female uh, young life lady and said to her, Hey, how long have you been on campus? And she said, seven years. And the crew guy goes, I no way I've been here six years. And they had never met before. Wow. And so, and so part of our voice is that unity is not uniformity. Mm-hmm. Unity is not uniformity. We don't have to do the same thing, but we can go the same direction together. I mean, I even met you guys, right? With the together mm-hmm. movement, right? It was, right. it's the same mentality in Minneapolis. It's like, we can get going in the right direction together. We don't have to do the same thing, but we can do it together. And I've, I have, you know, we are moving into I have got to blow the wind in your sails. I keep saying that over and over. I want to do everything I can uh, to lift and push other people forward because we're on the same team. Right. And we, we, we don't need to fight over territory. We don't need to fight over students. If a student wants is, is uncertain where to go, the godly Jesus thing to do when they're not sure if they should go to Young Life or Crew is to say, and you're the Young Life leader, is to say, hey, go to Crew. Go, go do that and to be free and to hold it loosely and to trust God with what he's doing. And, and so we're just trying to be a table for leaders. We're trying to be a, a, an environment for prayer, mm-hmm. an environment for exalting Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we are figuring it out as we go. And I'm hoping that we'll keep growing into this, to this, um, this opportunity to continue to bless uh, what is happening on campus at UT Austin. That's good. Nick, that resonates so much with Mike and I's heart because we're in the past year, we started a new ministry on campus here in Minnesota at Normandale Community College, diverse place, the largest community college in Minnesota and one of the top five largest community colleges in the country. And what we saw is there's a gentleman with InterVarsity who's been there 14 years, Mm -hmm. our now friend, Jamie Miller. And the first money that anyone gave us was Jamie Miller sat us down, handed us a check, said, you're an answer to prayer. Welcome to our campus. And how can I pray for you? How can I serve you? Mm-hmm. And so we feel spoiled out of our minds because that wasn't wow. us. Right. That was God. That wasn't us. That was actually him. But wow. that resonates with what God's doing is we're, we're on the winning team, Nick. We're on the Jesus team and we're, mm-hmm. we're on the same team. And so that's our prayer, even with this podcast, is that we'd learn together, that we'd share together, that we'd grow together, that we'd share ideas, share resources, share relationships, have rallying points, because we're stronger together right. than we are just doing our own thing. It sure is. And, you know, the bless that man, by the way, in the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. because what he's doing is the call of Jesus in John 17, when his longest prayer in scripture was that we would be one. Mm-hmm. with him and the Father. And we're moving into a time where we ought not, and I, and I actually, I'm going to be honest, I'm very optimistic about it. We ought not divide based upon second-tier issues or things that are not, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, we, we stand upon Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Yeah. He died for sinners. He rose three days later. He defeated death, conquered sin. We stand on this claim together as followers of Christ. 
we see things and uh, some minor, more small issues in different ways. And may maybe people think I'm a little too altruistic, but I just want to sit at the table at least. I want to be able to have conversation. And, and by the way, in this country where I believe one of the greatest threats right now is that we refuse to talk to each other. We talk about each other. Wow. We don't talk to each other. We are scared um, to share our thoughts even because if we do, sometimes we're scared, you know, maybe someone hears this, this podcast today and they don't agree with something I say and who knows what emails I'm going to get next week or how I could say the wrong thing right now, right? Uh, but we are scared about that because um, we see a, a world where anybody can share their opinion however they want. Everybody has a voice. But I'm telling us, I believe fully, if we sit at the table and we're not scared to listen to each other and to show the world that the Christian church, the followers of Jesus can talk to each other. They can disagree and still love each other. Shouldn't we be the leading model for that in this country? Shouldn't people look to the Christian church and Jesus followers and go, wow, how do they do it? They don't agree with each other on X, Y, Z issue. But they still love each other. They still serve each other. They're still handing each other money across the table and saying, hey, get your thing started over here. We believe we need more people like you. I hope there are a thousand more gathering events in Austin, Texas mm -hmm. and across this country. I hope there are hundreds of more churches than the Well Austin where I pastor at. I hope there are thousands of more. We need it. We need to work together. Amen. And Nick, so my question for you to follow that up is you're a dreamer. And you're someone who <laughs> dreams big, and you're you're not afraid to try new things. You're not afraid of failure. But what are you asking God for? How do you take this dream and and live it out when you have big dreams? What is your your prayer right now for? You can take it any way you want to, but what are you asking God for? Wow. I, and I can hear all of the non-dreamers right now going, okay, so what's your next step? Then make it practical, right? <laughs> Dream and um, do for sure. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually, I am very practical and, um, and I do like to dream. I, I don't, I don't ever want to be confined by my, by what happened in the past and I don't want to ever limit what God can do. And, mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, there are a lot of personal things I'm asking for of God. There are, uh, you know, specifically when it comes to um, our university, I, I'm asking him a lot daily for him to give us an opportunity to bring people together. I'm asking him for people to reach hands I, across the aisle and, um, and then really give me opportunities to put me in an uncomfortable position, to have to make decisions to show and model it. Because I can talk about it all day long. But if I'm not modeling it, if I'm not showing that I'm putting my, my, my time or my money or my, my energy or my influence where my, my mouth is, you know, walking the walk, then it's, it's not, it's not going to be helpful. Um, I think people, it's going to take time. I think uh, I'm not believing that we're going to affect what we want maybe tomorrow. I believe that maybe we can affect inconsistency over time. And uh, when people start to earn trust and seeing that, you know, I don't, I hope that we're not going anywhere, God willing. And I hope that we'll keep pressing this message and keep taking steps forward. But I think when you're a dreamer, the best thing you can do is take your first step. You know, Dallas Willard says that um, the most spiritual thing you can do today is to ask God, what is the next right thing to do? Mm -hmm. wow. And I believe that in every facet of my life. I mean, from, uh, you know, my relationships to my work, to the people that I, I get to lead on my team, to um, to the gathering. What is the next right thing for me to do? And sometimes the next right thing for me to do is have a conversation with somebody. Sometimes the next right thing for me to do is to lay myself down and to, to, to not make the gathering, you know, the biggest thing in the world right now because something else is happening on campus. And it's important that that thing on campus mm -hmm. gets the momentum right now. And so I have to think a lot about that. And um, we, we've put a team around some of those decisions and, uh, and then putting people who aren't like me on my team to think differently than, than, than me. I don't want to be, I, I had a leader uh, back in the day that said, if you think you're the smartest guy in the room, uh, wow, you're in trouble. And so I, I try not to think like I'm the smartest guy in the room. I, I think my arrogance and my pride get in the way a lot, but uh, I want people to push and challenge and to offer uh, different insights often and say, hey, what if we did this? What if we tried this? So, uh, you know, those are some practical things. I'm, I'm asking God for our university. I'm asking him to do, I think revival is a big word, y'all. 
I, 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 I don't know if God has ever stopped the business of revival. So when someone says, I want revival, I'm like, what do you mean by that? Because God's never stopped reviving lives and people. If you mean you want a massive movement on the campus that, that takes over this campus and flips it upside down, of course I want that. And I'm asking God for that. But I'm also asking God for a revival just transparently in my own life. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a broken person too, like anybody else. I'm asking him to deal with the things in my own heart that are broken and hurting. And uh, I need, I know that revival starts with the three foot circle that I draw around myself. Mother Teresa used to say that every, she said that if you draw a three foot circle around yourself, it's the greatest influence you have today. Wherever you go, that circle goes. And, uh, and so I'm asking for that. Um, and I'm asking for uh, him to continue to raise up leaders. And I know that if you look in scripture, this last thing I'll say, I'm sorry. But the last thing I'll say is, you know, when you look in scripture and you see uh, one of my favorite stories is the story of King David and King Solomon. And mm-hmm. here was this guy who had the dream and the vision to build the temple, right? And what happened? He had to hand that over to Solomon, who actually took the dream that was placed in one heart. And it was, it was, it was brought to fruition by Solomon. And so sometimes you're building something to all the leaders out there. You're building something that's not going to be yours. You, you, you need to know when to hand it off and you need to have a plan for how you're going to hand it off in a way that you're not just getting rid of it. So many times I see leaders just say, I'm done and I'm out. And it creates the vacuum and that ministry on campus is over. But if you were thinking right now, who, who am I discipling? Who am I raising up to carry that ministry? You have a Solomon in your midst, or maybe you're a Moses Joshua and the same thing. You have a Joshua in your midst. You have a Timothy in your midst raise those people up, find those people that you have a plan that when God says it's time to hand this thing over, it's time to hand it over and they're ready to go. Nick, I think that's perfect. I think looking at the dreams, passions, and desires in your heart, but just hopefully encouraging the listener even today to get into the prayer closet, to start asking God to, to move the mountains, whether that's a financial mountain, whether that's pride in our own hearts, getting in the prayer closet, getting before him, whatever he needs to weed out and maybe do a heart transplant in our own lives as leaders so we get out of the way. So as he calls us to build and to pioneer, I always want to be building and pioneering towards the kingdom of God and teaming up with him, not building wow. my own kingdom. And I know that for the listener, they're probably like, Mike, you say that every episode, but that's honestly one of my biggest mm-hmm. prayers because mm-hmm. who's seated on the throne of my heart? Right. You know, is it my job? Is it the title? Is it what I think I've done with young adults or who I think I've impacted? No, it should be, it should be God first, God second and God third, period. So I... I think Amen. that's just super fun to hear your dreams and aspirations and, and just your passion for this generation that you get to pioneer influence. Maybe there's watering, there's the seeding, there's the pioneering, there's the tilling. Um, but God is, to you know, it's God's glory and it's God's story. So we've come actually to one of our favorite parts of the message. Um, these are the final thoughts. So we have five and five, Nick. So we're going to do five questions in five minutes. So this is rapid fire. So you got 60 <laughs> seconds. If you can, limit it. He's got the timer out, you guys. Okay. Okay. All right. Oh, my gosh. You've got to make the Phelps warm up here. you guys. I, I, if you let me talk, I just talk. That's the problem. <laughs> we just okay, smile, so. nod. Yes. Okay. So question number one, what has surprised you about young adults and the next generation the most? Man, that people are uh, – that they're hungry that they're hungry, that they are longing to know and understand more, that they actually want to know, they want to dialogue. They want to dialogue about faith and spirituality. Uh, They don't want to be threatened by it, but they want to dialogue about it. So the narrative for so long has been they're not interested. I don't think that's the right storyline. The right storyline is that uh, they are interested. They're actually the most spiritually interested generation ever, we have found out. But when we say spirituality, it looks a little different than what you and I are used to. It's not the, the same Christian get into the church. They are scared of authority and commitment in, in a lot of ways. And so, uh, man, just to be able uh, to create dialogue, they, they're hungry for that right now. Good. Good answer. Nick, I know you love events. We do too, and listeners will as well. But what's your favorite event you've ever done and why? Oh, wow. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's tough. I, oh, man. Okay. Uh, there have been so many um, 
epic moments at um, Summer in the City. It was a it was a it was a deal that we put on at Passion City Church, the college ministry that I helped uh, develop uh, and, and lead. And uh, and Summer in the City was an opportunity to get to bring in some great leaders. And there was a night uh, where we. Uh, it was the very last summer in the city I ever did and was a part of and helped lead and direct. And uh, Phil Wickham was playing and uh, he did this acoustic set. I, I really pushed hard to let us just, uh, I wanted him up on stage with a, with a guitar, y'all. Mm-hmm. If you've ever heard this man, he's got an angelic voice. And so, I, uh, you know, passion has been, we've been really great about the, the beauty of the design of the production and there's a beauty in all that, but we just asked Phil to come and just sing with his guitar. And uh, I just probably cried the whole night, probably because I was emotionally leaving. It was the time that I was stepping away and moving on to here to Austin, Texas. And but also because uh, it just felt like the Lord was, uh, you know, I looked around and saw these students who were part of such a beautiful church and such a beautiful team. And they were part of a bigger picture at Passion City. And I was so grateful for the opportunity to be there and, and to see Phil, uh, Phil lead us. It was, uh, it was a beautiful night. Awesome. Question three is, what is your favorite story of life change? Yeah. Okay. So we had um, this past year, uh, another one of my favorite events ever. The last gathering we did this past semester in April, uh, April 30th this past year, um, there was a girl. We, we did it outside. Normally we, we would do this on campus in the middle of this, this massive ballroom on campus at UT Austin. Uh, but we actually uh, gathered the students outside uh, at this really cool space. It was really just trendy vibe, the outdoor space near campus. And uh, there were, it was around, it was a skyscape of all these like high rises. And we had so many cool stories at night of people walking in off the street, hearing what was going on. But my favorite was a girl who was standing um, on the skyscraper and watching us all night long. And she, she came down from the tower uh, into the gathering of students. And she said to us, um, you know, I, I had the hardest day I've had in the longest time. Uh, I actually never have prayed to God and I prayed mm-hmm. to him that he would um, lead me and show me what to do. And I never asked about it. And she said, I heard uh, this song from my apartment, Oh, Come to the Altar. And she said, she said, at first, I thought it was the the, uh, the Fiasai house. And she said, no, it's a Tuesday night. The Fiasai fraternity would not be having a party tonight. And she said, and they wouldn't have Oh, Come to the Altar playing. So uh, she went down the elevator wow. and she followed the music and she came to our gathering. Uh, she gave her life to Christ that night. And what was really cool was we had a lot of ministers from uh, some campus ministries there that night. And at the end, we often give the students the opportunity to be prayed for by these ministers. And uh, she got connected to one mm-hmm. of them, is now being discipled, a part of their ministry. Uh, I cry almost thinking about it right now because it's, the, it was, it's, it's literally in a single story, a picture of what right. we wanted the gathering to be. Oh, good. What a miracle. And we celebrate success for yeah. sure like that. But we also realized that sometimes failure is a hidden friend. Would you be willing, this is one of our favorite questions, would you be willing (laughs) to share one of your most epic failures in ministry? Wow. Yeah, I I have a lot, you guys. Um, I have a lot of failures. I have failures this past week and failures um, often. And I've been walking in vocational ministry for about six, seven years and just doing it for about 12 so far. Like, holistically since I've followed Christ. But, um, you know, I, I am an Enneagram three. If we have any Enneagram fans out there, I am a driver, a doer. I am a goer. And, uh, and you know, if you know anything about threes, we just being transparent, we have a lot of internal struggles around, uh, just approval and wanting to be liked. And so, uh, yeah, just full transparency. There was a season, you know, in the past where, if you look, you know, I was involved greatly in social media in my own life. We talked about this earlier. And I just, I just found myself comparing constantly to what I was doing, what other people were doing. And I know we've all done that. And maybe, you know, you said the word epic. What was your epic failure? I, I don't know if I'd say it's epic as much as I'd say, um, man, I played the game for a long time. And I played the game of uh, wishing I had something else and the whole first Peter five challenge. And, and it affected me quite a bit. It created cynicism, created division among uh, my heart and other leaders. It created spaces of uh, not unity. It created spaces of uh, internal depression and frustration. And uh, and so, man, I, I just wish, uh, I'm glad that season happened. I 
wish I would have gone about it differently uh, for for those for, the, for that time period. But I learned in a healthy way how to how to walk through through the social media world, the visible world, the, the podcast, book, social media, blog, you name it, world that we can all easily get sucked into as leaders and think I'm not doing enough. And just remembering uh, I am, I'm doing what God called me. Success, you said success a minute ago, um, Josiah. Success is being faithful to what God gave you. Yes. And if God gave you a small, I'm, I'm praying for the guy right now who's listening to this and has 10 people in his student ministry or you know, a church of 50 or 30 or whatever, you remember that Jeremiah and Isaiah were given a task by God and it looked fruitless Mm -hmm. to the world around them. And yet we are still reading their words today. Success is being obedient to God. Be obedient to him. Take what you got from you. That's so good. Nick, thank you for being transparent and just sharing that. And just as a leader and as an individual listening, I hope that you recognize that none of us are perfect. We're all, we're learning. We are in progress. We're never going to arrive. And to be able to recognize and rally around the fact that we're on the same team, but that we don't want to compete. We don't want to compare. We don't want to complain. We want to work through and weed out those things that are choking us out as people, our ministries, um, to allow God to prune those things out and to really allow his glory to shine through in that process. So we're coming to our very final question here, Nick. And if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing what would you leave them with? Well, I know I went over my five-minute allotment, so I'm going to just go real quick here. Stay the course. It's good. Keep fight. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. It is you're in a spiritual battle. Just remember that. Remember the struggles you have is not uh, internally, externally. It is we are all in a battle. And we have a target, but we have the greatest greatest general, the greatest leader, mm. the greatest protector, the greatest provider it is not easy what you're doing. You're doing a noble thing. Be available and God is ready to use you, but stay the course for the person out there today wondering if they should give up. Man, I just want to push you to challenge you. Give it some more thought. Mm-hmm. Ask some more people. Give, pray some more. We need, we need you. Um, God can do a lot without you, but I promise you, he said it himself. Laborers are few. Stay the course. Stay the course. Fantastic. Stay the course. What a message today and what a fun conversation. Nick, uh, you thank guys you. are awesome. Thanks for I thank you all for, for having me on. And uh, honestly, I just I want to say to everybody listening how much I love each of you too and how uh, the joy of who you both are and the way that you lead and love people. Uh, is second to none in a lot of people in, in my life. And I just am so grateful to know you and be friends with you and uh, praying with you in every single thing you're doing. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Well, what a fun conversation. Thank you guys for joining us. You can find out more about Nick Brandt, The Well Austin, and The Gathering ATX when you connect with us on our website, youngadults.today, as well as across all social media platforms, youngadults.today. Until next time, we're with Nick Brandt, and this is Josiah and Micah Keneally signing off. Till next time. I'm all wired up right now. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.